Hello and welcome. This is the Anything But Quiet Time podcast, where we talk about what we're going through in our quiet time in an out loud form. If this was something that you would physically go through in in the act of welcoming, we would ask you at this point to wipe your feet off on that rug, Mm -hmm. that welcome mat. You ask people to take off their shoes at your house. And if you don't have socks and you want socks, we're going to get you the cozy ones. And Mm -hmm. I want you to sit in this recliner, prop your feet up, and let's talk. And let's talk. Here we go. Here's a cup of coffee. This is, uh, again, uh, the Anything With Quiet Time podcast, but it's one of many at HopeOnDemand.com. Podcasts, um, articles, videos, your Christian artists that you may enjoy with their music, but also talking about life. And so we each kind of go through something. Mm -hmm. You, Rochelle, said you had a big question to start things off starting things off now i am reading the bible a little differently this year and i'm trying to kind of hold the arrangement loosely like usually you have a strategy if you're going to read through the bible here's a strategy Mm -hmm. and it has to look a certain way in order for you to complete it within the one year time but the older i get the more i realize it doesn't necessarily have to be boxes checked right and sometimes it can be that much deeper and i can take my time if I, you know, hold that plan loosely, it's still staying on track. But maybe, maybe I read half of the day's readings so that I can take time with it more. Yeah, I literally pulled out a notebook the other day to do the math in between the time that Adam and Noah was born, and I was like, I think I missed something somewhere because <laughs> what Scripture was telling me how many years had passed was not what I had added up. So I maybe need to go back to school. But it gave me. <laughs> It gave me a chance to to reflect and go there a little bit deeper and um, kind of have fun with that because these guys lived a long time. I think Noah died when he was 960 or something like that. And What do you do yeah. when you're 100 yeah. and you feel old and then you got 860 more years? <laughs> yeah. Now, yeah. The, the, the actual age, I use the word literally a lot, mm-hmm. uh, but whether it's actual literal number as we would account age for a full year, 365 days, or it was some other way of defining age at the time. True. That's been acknowledged by historians. It could be a diff- certainly different than what we would say, oh, you're how many years old? Maybe 969 years old for Methuselah was not the, what we would think to be yeah. almost a thousand years time. Perhaps it'd be a little bit like... Uh... A day is like a thousand years to God and a thousand years is like a day, meaning time is, is yeah, uh, irrelevant. Perhaps this is just a way of describing he was elderly, Perhaps, uh, to I, say the least. I think for God, certainly time is, well, it's pertinent, but it's also not necessarily, it's not, his standards are different. Yeah, yeah. The ones I just mean not specifically descriptive. Yeah. You know. So uh, all of that to say, I, I'm reading a little bit of the old, mixed in with the new, and they're giving me some Psalms in there too. On a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And it's it's been fun to read so far, going back and forth. I crave, I crave time with Jesus in his word when I'm reading chronologically the Bible in a year. Because you spend all your time, for the most part, in the Old Testament. Yeah. And it's not until the latter part of the year you're finally getting into Matthew. Because you had to spend time with the 39 books that preceded it right. in the Bible. But I'm going to ask you a question And I don't know that you've ever, maybe you have, maybe you've thought about this before. What if Noah got it wrong? Which part? After he lands in, they are in the boat for a very long period of time. In fact, we're talking months and months. I, I, I 
speaking of the notepad, I had this out in terms of like trying to figure out, all right, from the time the water started and they were actually landed on the mountain and then the water receded enough for them to even send out a bird, let alone actually now get out of the ark. I mean, it was a very long period of time. And when they get out of the, the ark, it doesn't tell us how much time passes. But clearly, if you're a farmer, you would know before they they have the promise from the Lord, the rainbow in the sky, saying, I will never destroy the earth the way I did this time of the flood. I will never do that again. An altar is built to honor the Lord. Animals, the extra animals that had been carried on the ark, because we always hear they went two by two, mm-hmm. right? Male, female. Well, that wasn't true for all. For birds, I believe there was like seven sets, seven pairs, Mm. with the thought of sacrifice. And so he sacrifices. One of the first things he does when he gets off that ark is to praise the Lord. And I think that's huge and amazing. He did not get that wrong. He got that very right. Mm -hmm. But he, his children, which he has three sons with his wife, they're Ham, Shem, and Japheth. For some reason, we always say them in that order in Sunday school when Shem is the oldest, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> even then the oldest kid gets thrown under the bus but Shem is the oldest uh, most of the people that we read about through scripture that get highlighted that are focused on are from his his genes mm-hmm. and then Ham is the one I kind of want to focus on because there's an event that takes place after Noah plants a vineyard the vineyard again if you're a farmer you would know how long it would take to to plant and then grow the grapes. I don't know, but there's some time that's passed to where he, uh, near this area where they've landed in the Mount Ararat region, I guess, they have started to farm because they know they got to get cracking. There's nobody else around. All right, from us are all the peoples of the earth going to be coming out of. And uh, I'm going to farm and I'm going to make a, a, first thing I'm going to plant, a vineyard. Mm -hmm. And if you know the story of Noah... Apparently, he likes his wine, and when he drinks, he drinks to excess. And it's noted in the Bible that Ham discovers him, and Noah has gotten so drunk that he is found naked by his son. It was alluded to by some scholars, saying it could have been Ham's son that discovered him, because when Noah shares like a, a curse on Ham's generation— he says the name of his child, mm. not necessarily Ham. So it's like, all right, is Ham taking the flack because it's his kid? It's on you because your son was the one who came in. And apparently it was a disrespectful tone in which he was discovered. All of that is subtext. None of it is. We have no dialogue here written in Scripture as to what was said. All we know is that when it's revealed that Noah's naked, he's in there and he's drunk. The two older brothers, uh, Shem and Japheth, come in and they're walking in backwards and they have some sort of cloth material and they're going to cover his nakedness because that's the appropriate thing to do. And they're blessed for the respect that they are shown. But Ham and his generation, his line is cursed. Was Noah right? Well, I mean, first I'm going to say I don't know. That is... uh... I think there's so much there to explore because when it came to generational curses, it seemed, you know, you would see some of that in the Old Testament. And I don't know, I've heard some even 
interesting things about the intention and what mm -hmm. actually took place mm -hmm. that potentially there was a, uh, I mean, to, a way to say it just little ears, by the way, but uh, that Noah was taken advantage of. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I've heard that as a, a theory, a theory. Yeah. So I don't really know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't either. But it did occur to me the other day as I was driving along and after I've read this story and I've heard it um, for, for my life, my upbringing, I, I've, I've heard these stories all my life. Uh, <laughs> I will never forget a Wednesday night program that encouraged Bible reading. Read through your Bible. I'm like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to start with Genesis. Boy, that's eye opening mm -hmm. when you start with probably the most rated R, even X rated book in the Bible. I say that maybe not the most. Judges is up there, too. It's sure. pretty rough. But here I'm reading this this story once again um, that all the adorable rugs for babies' rooms have been created upon the, the thought of Noah and the ark. And it's adorable and cute. And it's this just terribly troubling story that the, all of humanity is wiped out. All mm -hmm. the animals, the beauty of God's creation, it is at a place where after he had just created it, just chapters before we're reading the story, it's good. And God created it, and it's good. It's good. And now it's just at the point where it's like, there is nothing to be salvaged here. Save Noah and his family, because mm -hmm. Noah, of all the people, was faithful. He obeyed God. He was a good man. And so he and his family are put on this giant ark, or they rather, <laughs> back up a second, Noah built the boat in an obedience, did all the things that God told him, I don't know if you've ever done this where you feel like God's asked you to do something and you, if you're a perfectionist, you never quite get it right. So maybe you never start, you never embark on the mission. You never take it to the end. I have a, a very close family friend, we'll call him, who took all the courses and graduated from law school, but never took the bar exam. Ooh. And I don't know what kept him from that last. That was between, that's between him, his family, and the Lord. I don't know. But you get to that place and never to just jump in and take, just see. See mm -hmm. if he would make it, right? Can you imagine if Noah, it's like, man, I just didn't get the door right. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> he, yeah, that's true. We wouldn't be here probably today. But here's this incredible thing that happens between his son, Ham, and him. And we don't know exactly what goes down, but we do know I now put a curse on Canaan, which is the son of Ham. Canaan is also the name of the land that Shem's descendants are told you will inherit because Abraham is from that line. Abraham being the father of many nations. But you're going to take this away from Ham's family. Um. It says, I asked the Lord, my God. Well, wait, I don't want to skip this part. He will be the lowest slave of his brothers. I asked the Lord, my God, to bless Shem and make Canaan his slave. I pray that the Lord will give Japheth more and more land and let him take over the territory of Shem. May Canaan be his slave. I don't. Why so harsh? Mm hmm. I do know that we live in a day and age that is quite different from even the generation of our parents. Where things were like, you don't question mom and dad, you just obey. Right. Part of me really misses that. 
because there is a, an honor code. There is a respect line there that you do not cross. If your dad asked you to do it, even if you didn't like it, you don't understand it, you did it. Now, I think there's balance there. I think being able to come alongside in a respectful manner and say, Dad, can you help me understand? Like, it, it, if your heart is in the right place and you ask your father, would you help me understand what, what it is that you're asking me to do? I want to comply. I want to be obedient. I think a gracious father is open to conversation. I think there's balance in that. and the, Or there's, you know, I, I know a lot of family members that did grow up with a harsher existence and there, there was no conversation. There is no conversation. Yeah, That door is never open. Mm. I think that needs to be balanced. But my word, I don't know what took place. It is not written. It is speculated about. Clearly, someone dropped the ball mm-hmm. with Noah, with daddy, grandpa Noah. But Noah had also dropped the ball. Was there an overreaction because of the shame he felt in his drunken state? He had allowed this abuse to take place. He had allowed himself a position that was... You, do you know what I'm saying? I'm, yeah. I'm not suggesting that that was a reality. I'm just saying, what if? And well, you think know. that that would be possible and plausible, but with the Old Testament, what I don't understand is mm-hmm. then, well, then why was that allowed? Mm-hmm. Why was, why did that come true? Why did what come true? Well, oh. the land of Canaan, you know, and, and yeah. no. it, it wasn't just Noah spouting off. That was a, I guess, a prophecy, if you will, a cursing. It could have been. And I don't know. I honestly don't know the answer to that. Because we do see that throughout the scripture. We see um, words having merit mm-hmm. with God. And it says in, um, I believe it's it's a proverb that the, the prayers of the righteous avail much. I could be wrong. I, I could That could be a psalm. Uh, but I know that that basically means that your prayers matter to God. Mm. We're even cautioned as to the things that we say because our words have the power of the Holy Spirit backing us. We are to be careful about the way in which we, if we're not blessing people, are we then cursing them? Mm. I want to be careful about that. And so I I do not, <laughs> we even talked about this before with the, the guy, wasn't it last week we talked about the guy who made the promise yeah. to God and says, I'll sacrifice the first person I see. God didn't ask him to do that. Right. But if you promise something to the Lord in, in God's word, it is very clear. You see the pattern you better make good on what you say to the Lord. Now, I think there's grace and mercy there that perhaps they did not even know about because Jesus had yet to come and reveal it to them. True. And perhaps they never explored relationship with God to know grace and mercy, whereas King David did. Here he had gone in and eaten the showbread that was only for the priests, but he had a relationship with God to where maybe he just knew there was enough grace and mercy in his relationship with his heavenly father to know there would be grace and mercy for him in needing that bread in that moment, which was a big no-no. Yeah. So why would Noah put that out there? And here we have this calamity between the brothers, between the nations that is established from at least that moment we see in scripture on. There is always vengeance. They're always out to get one another. And then we see it. Just repeat it over and over again. Look at the story of Isaac and Ishmael, the sons of Abraham, that one was compared to the other and one was never welcomed because, well, I mean, one, clearly they had uh, 
you know, they wanted to, to have a baby. And so they did it on their terms. And that's how Ishmael came about. And then finally, uh, in God's timing, Isaac came about and he was the one that God was saying, this is the kid I have for you. But because you took things into your own hands, now you've got calamity. Wherever we see, there's a pattern there too. Whenever we take things in our own hands, we have calamity. Then we have uh, it's this trend. Isaac has two kids. What does he do? He favors Esau over Jacob. Jacob favors Joseph the rest. That doesn't go well. We all know that story. Of course, it leads them to places because God works all things together for good to those who love him. Yeah. Um, and he will use our broken bits. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> to make sense of this world, to continue it on so that he can complete the love story through Jesus Christ, his son. But I've never stopped to question, was Noah wrong? I've always thought, man, you should never dishonor your parents. Absolutely. Hmm. But I am now a parent. And I have been on that side of it for a few years now, and I've seen where I've been wrong when I've been too harsh, hmm. when I should have changed my tone, when I should have. And hopefully you've, you've done that as a parent as well. Maybe you've come back and revisited that with your kids and said, look, I will never sway on the fact that you were to honor me no matter what, even if you disagree. But I want to acknowledge I was wrong in this moment with you. This was wrong. I don't know if Noah, if you put a truth serum in Noah, one day we'll have a chance to talk with him in heaven. Sure. I, that may be one that I'd ask him, was it too harsh? And maybe his word would be, I was aligned with the Holy Spirit in that moment. I feel like God told me to say this is what I did. Did God use it? Absolutely. But he also allows choices. He allows free will. These are things that um, he honors the words of his chosen um, when uh, Jacob chooses to bless certain sons over others. Right. And he definitely did. Jacob down the line. And I think that's an interesting thing as a parent, though, because I remember even before I was a parent or the friend that said this was a parent, uh, he said, you get to a point in your life where uh, this would probably be more for people who had a good relationship with their parents. Mm -hmm. You get to a point in life where you realize your parents didn't do everything right. Mm hmm. And I found that to be evident when even just in communication skills with my wife, I realized she uh, commuted, you know, argued in one way and I argued in another. And we mm -hmm. would kind of be able to explore, OK, here's where how we want to do things. You know, the way that you did this wasn't necessarily what we want to do. And the way that I did this, even though we were both looking to our parents, uh, uh, to each of our parents as examples. Sure. And you realize in that moment as much as your mom or your dad are heroes in your own mind, uh, in your own life, and, and that's true for me, you start to see, okay, not everybody's perfect. Yeah. And to then, when you become a parent, or if you're just, you know, have authority over somebody, if you're a boss, to look at yourself. Yeah. And to say, to be able to say that I'm wrong. And I find that it's, um, no, I think it's easier but it's definitely more obvious after the fact. Mm. You know, you do something and somebody comes and questions you and, and you're instantly going to say, no, no, I'm, I would stay, I would do it again right now. Uh, mm. I, this is this decision I've made or this is the way that I do things done. But then six months or a year down the road and you see, maybe even just see how your child is or how your employee is. And you go, you know, I think realizing their personality or just thinking about the situation and why was I so bothered that day? Mm -hmm. 
Or why why did I choose to do it that way? What they said seemed to be pretty reasonable. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just more obvious, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and you get far removed. And I think we can look back at our own decisions. I, I think the more rigid we are about decisions, um, the more reactionary, the more, you know, this is the way it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Maybe that is what should automatically, um, it's like a motion detector. It should detect within me right away. Rochelle, I want you to table this with me right now. Mm-hmm. I, I want to talk about this with you right now. Because if I am so absolute on something, maybe there is something that I, I need to explore. I need to take another look at. The only, and we've shared, I, I, I can't even tell you, it's probably the most shared phrase we've ever done on our podcast. The one thing I know is Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everything else. I, I want to always like, because Jesus was always having us take a different look at things. And he would he would talk to this group of people in a way that almost would, some would look at and say, well, he contradicted himself in this next chapter with this other group of people. He told uh, the rich young ruler how to get saved is to go and sell everything that you have. Yeah. But it's because of his heart instead of, you know, he's not going to tell us that he only told one person never that but if you walked away listening to just that one conversation with the rich young ruler and you're the bystander and then from now on i'm going to take that data mm-hmm. and i'm going to apply it to everybody who asks me how how you should be a christian mm. and i'm so rigid because i heard it from jesus mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but then you go to the next part where you see that jesus is is telling you to love your neighbor mm-hmm. to do good to those who hurt you to to do something it might feel a little bit well wait a second that's not exactly what you just told the rich young ruler guy. Yeah. Well, he was seeing through to the heart of the matter for this gentleman, and he was speaking directly to this gentleman. So that doesn't apply to everybody. Well, it does if that's your issue. Yeah. <laughs> so well, the heart applies to everybody. The yeah. heart absolutely applies to everybody, but your heart issue may be different from yeah. mine. Absolutely. So that particular chapter of the Bible, if he was talking directly to you, would look maybe a little different. Yeah. But if I am so rigid... To what? Well, nope. It has to look exactly like this because this is what I felt like this and this and this. And I've I heard it said, and my dad used to do this. And wait, Lord, what do you think about the matter? Have I addressed this with you? And maybe I have, but have I done it lately? It's not that you change. You never change. You're the same today, yesterday, forever. That's we know that to be true. However, circumstances change, even though you don't. And my child changes. He was a different child than he was when he was five years old. Now that he's 12, he will be a different adolescent when he is 17 than when he was 12. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. different truths apply at different times. Well, and The how changes. Yeah. The, the what doesn't. And we can constantly go back to Scripture and see the same truths being displayed. But I might say it in a different way. Mm-hmm. I might do something that I never thought. I would do, mm-hmm. you know, if, um, oh, I'm trying to think of a great example, but, um, you know, for the sake of my child, ride a roller coaster, mm-hmm. you know, and I never would ride roller coasters. I mean, that's just a silly example. Uh, but even hard truths like that, I think when you, you're able to see, okay, this is continually what scripture says, but I may not be communicating it in the proper way. And I think we also need to define what being flexible looks like. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I, I think it's defined in this world as, oh, that makes you weak. If you are bending mm-hmm. to what you said before, that, well, or if even apologies can make you f- feel like you look weak. Yeah. I think at one time there was stigma about apologizing. Oh, 
Well, that means that you're you you didn't believe what you said back then. You know, you look at the trees that exist where we primarily live. Yeah, most of the let me say that differently. Primarily, the trees you see where Carter and I live because we live near the coast. We live in the Gulf area. Are we see tons of palm trees? Why do palm trees flourish here? Because of the weather. Because of the weather. Can they take a beating? Oh, yes. You don't see a lot of palm trees uprooted. And it tells me that there is there is something really honorable in being becoming flexible and learning what that looks like. It does not mean uh, your integrity wavers at all. That like what you were saying, it's not about the why. Uh, the what? It's, it's the how. The how. Changes. Yes. And I think that's what this is talking about here. So if I was to if I had a chance to talk to Noah and one day I will and just say, hey, listen, would you do it? Would you do it differently? Or tell me what you were thinking. What were you going through? I bet you I could relate to that moment with him so greatly because there have been times where I have shown my true colors, not my nakedness, but maybe my, my naked soul in the those moments of heightened anger, yeah, hurt, woundedness, frustration, sensitivity with my kids, yeah. with friends. Would I have changed it differently? And it's not that it, that he should not have honored his dad. It, that's not it at all. Absolutely, he should have. Should he have been challenged in that? Absolutely. He was cursed, Carter. Mm. There are two things that I want to uh, say quickly is one, it, just going back, we talk about, I can't remember how you said it, but it's just so true about we grow, I think is you said something mm -hmm. that reminded me of how we hold politicians to, mm. uh, to what their words were. And it's all recorded so we can go back and show them. This day, this time. And it's kind of interesting. On some stuff, it's like, well, duh. Yeah, you say, and because, you know, I don't know, let's just say a political candidate says, I love the color red. And then they're in a different town the next day and they say, I love the color green. It's my favorite color. You know, th th yeah, there's certain things that it's like, you you're kind of lying through your teeth. But then there's other <laughs> things where on big issues, is it not okay for people to grow and to change their mind? Mm. And we're very harsh with politicians with that, but I just look at what we're talking about as a parent mm. or, or a boss. I should be able to grow and learn and change, and that's okay. Yeah. Because that's what I, should, that's what I want everybody else to do. I want everybody else to grow and learn and change. So I just kind of find that fascinating, we, especially with politicians. We hold them to a, you said this in 1984, and now you're saying the opposite. And then mm. the politician goes, well, uh, well, I actually, and when really, if I was a politician, I'd be a terrible one. I, I should just go, yeah, I changed my mind. What about it? <laughs> you know? Same forgiveness that we hope others would offer us or grace. Maybe it's not even forgiveness required. If you just grow, it's just part of life, right? Mm. <laughs> Sincerely, you did something wrong or right, per se, back in the day. But shouldn't we be offering that up to others? Yeah. And even to our parents for their mistakes. Oh, yeah. Because now that we're a parent, we can look back and say, I get why. <laughs> Jim Gaffigan does this bit about, he's like, I always wondered why dad always looks so angry when we go on family vacations. Now I know why. <laughs> and it, you have this empathy for your parent that you didn't before. Yeah. Uh, and now all of a sudden, with, along with empathy comes forgiveness and understanding and if we could lend that qu more quickly than we do uh, past our family members to other people, to the, the people next to us that we don't even know, 
that might be cutting us off in traffic or I've been really frustrated lately with some shopping experiences that I've had where I felt like people were, were very rude. And I was like, I don't know what they're going through right now. I have no idea what their life moments. Have. That's true. I don't want to dismiss behavior as if, oh, it's not a big deal because it did bother me in the moment. But how am I going to now choose to respond? Yeah. And now am I going to live out live out that response in front of my children as well, because now I'm an example. Yeah. Uh, and even to them, I don't know what gracious, b- responsive behavior towards them could help them somewhere down the line say, huh, remember that lady? That's true. I was kind of rude to her and she was all right with it. <laughs> and she was okay with it. She was all right. I think the other thing that I wanted to point out, because you're going to have this conversation with Noah, you just made me think about yeah, if, if it's eternity. Yeah. And, and this is the part I don't know, if there's no scheduling going on, uh-huh. how are you ever going to get out of a conversation with somebody that you don't want to have a conversation with? Oh, gosh. You know, Noah's sitting here going, you know, trying not to think about that again. And you come up and be like, we have all day. I'm sorry, excuse me. There's not even a day. We have yeah. all eternity. Tell me. And then you, what if you didn't leave? And then he's like, how do I get on this one? What if, <laughs> the, what if it, that's hilarious, number one. But you're now making me think. Yeah. Maybe the only reason why we get annoyed by long talkers is because of scheduling in the first place. I think that could be true for many, but there are some where I'm oh, like, they're just boring. We're, yeah, boring. We're 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 beating a dead horse, you know. <laughs> How do I get maybe, out of here? <laughs> maybe God has sanctioned places in heaven where He's got, you know, I don't know, the he's long got, talkers. He's got the heaven enneagram, yeah, where He knows where to put people on the. the you stay in that cloud. You stay in that region yes, of the celestial yes. palace. And uh, this uh, last minute of the podcast brought to you by Biblical Inaccuracy. <laughs> There's nothing scriptural about this. This is guessing. Uh, This is just one little thing that I wanted to share. If you've gone through doubts, we all have. And this ties in. I've been reading through Matthew, but there's this part in the book of Luke where if you recall John the Baptist, he's the guy that baptized Jesus Mm -hmm. and he is in jail Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's been some time where now John the Baptist is kind of wondering. And so John called for two of his, two, this is in Luke 7, John called for two of his disciples. He sent them to the Lord and asked them uh, to ask, for them to ask him, are you the Messiah we've been expecting or should we keep looking for someone else? Mm-hmm. Up to this point, it seemed pretty obvious. I mean, there was a whole moment where John baptized Jesus and a voice from heaven mm-hmm. said, this is my son with whom I'm most pleased. And then the Holy Spirit with representative in a dove landed on Jesus' shoulder. I mean, it seemed like to me, which we weren't there and how it all played out, but it seemed like it would be pretty obvious. Yeah, <laughs> you make the joke, but he went a blinking sign. That's a pretty big blinking sign. That's a, p- a pretty big blinking sign. And but yet in John's circumstances, he's in prison Mm -hmm. and now the rescue that many thought the Messiah was going to be from Rome hasn't happened. Mm -hmm. And so John's two disciples found Jesus and asked him, John, the Baptist sent us to ask, are you the Messiah we've been expecting or should we keep looking for someone else? And at that very time, Jesus cured many people of their diseases, illnesses and evil spirits, and he restored sight to many who were blind. Then he told John's disciples, go back and tell, go back to John and tell him what you've seen and heard. Mm. The blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, mm-hmm. the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. And he added, God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. Uh, 
after John's disciples left, then here we go. Jesus goes on. It's a few verses, so I won't read it, but he gets to verse 28. I tell you of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John. Yet even the least person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And of course, he, Jesus has so many ways of, of sharing about humility and faith, but he instantly compliments John mm-hmm. in the midst of the doubt from John. And what reminded me of this was going through uh, Matthew, and it says, in fact, let me just make sure to, to read it verbatim, but he talks about how my, uh, I think I'm right there, actually. No, one more. You failed us. Oh, I was almost there. No, nope, two I more. May muster Here we go. Grace. All right. I know it's this. Yes. Matthew 11, he says, in fact, let me just start at verse 28. Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. And if you've gone through doubt and wonder, and you're wondering, is Jesus standing there going, hmm, interesting. (laughs) When you see, he just complimented John as the greatest human that ever walked the face of the planet. Mm -hmm. After John said, hey, are you sure it's you? I just just want to make sure. What? What amazing, I mean, you know, That's obviously, but what amazing grace. Yeah, it's the peaks and valleys of our faith, isn't it? Yeah. We have those high mountaintop experiences. You know, this was not the first time John was thrown in prison either. Yeah, yeah. He'd been in there before. Maybe the other times he was stronger in his faith in the moment. Maybe something about this experience, maybe this one that he knew might stick. I'm about to leave. Am I, am I leaving my disciples in good hands? Mm. Are you the one? And I love that Jesus didn't, he didn't just say, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he kind of proved it there for a minute. He, he quoted the scripture back. Yeah. He showed him the fulfillment of the prophecy. Mm-hmm. He, do you see? It's not just talk, John. With the others, it was talk. They had big dreams. They had big goals. Because there was a, the messiahs were a dime a dozen, people who claimed that they were the messiah. Jesus was fulfilling it, you know. And I, I, I loved how you pointed that out. There was no condemnation in his response towards him and that he was, he was loving on him it's, Guys, the real deal, the real deal. But and then even to the people listening around him. But look, whenever they, whenever we feel that we've got it pegged, the good ones, the good Christians, the whatever in your brain, you would right now, hands down, say, "This is the best person I know." Awana champions. And I could never. <laughs> Awana champions. Okay. I could never achieve what they've achieved. They probably have the highest status in heaven. And Jesus would always flip-flop the perspective on things, wouldn't he? Yeah. And he would show the people around him that they're the teachers of the day that would be hailed as the the it guys, the best religious guys. And he's like, no, 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 no. That's not the epitome here. Well, if they don't make it, well, who, who can stand a chance? You you stand a chance, you know, and he puts such emphasis on the least, yeah, the humble. It is a completely different point of view that the world wants you to grab hold of for yourself. You want to be on top. You want to be successful. And we get it. I get it. And you read Paul the Apostle in his letters talking about running that race and winning. Mm-hmm. But it's a different kind of race. It's not the corporate ladder that he's talking about climbing. He's talking about the race of life and, and living a life 
loving people well. And in doing so, you love God well. And that's what's hard. We live constantly in the culture that we do. Mm. So we think uh, results-driven. Yeah. And then we go to church or we have quiet time or you just wake up feeling like you haven't done enough. Yeah. Or you aren't good enough. Yes. And yeah, that's technically true, but we don't have to live that. That's right. Because we can't do enough anyway. It's kind of a good thing when you finally realize you wake up one day, you're like, man, I stink. Yeah. Yeah. This is awesome. That's your first step towards truly going, wow. Yeah. I am saved, aren't I? Huh. Well, thank you for spending time with us here at the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. We'll be back next week. And anything you need to know with, a, a, you know, encouragement, you need any sort of hope, it's on demand. Yes. At HopeOnDemand.com. But learning how to build your own vineyard? Nope. Not going to find that here. No. I still don't know anything. That's probably, prob- it starts with grapes. I know that. 